A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. discovered something truly incredible when I was researching WrestleMania 9. Now, as you already know, it was held at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas. And because it's a gambling town, what usually happens is you talk to a promoter and you go, hey, we'll sell you all of our tickets and then you can go sell it to all the crazy people that are coming to your town. But because the WWF did do this back in 1993, most of the people that went to see WrestleMania 9 didn't have a clue what any of the stories were and they just wanted to see Hulk Hogan. That's why when you watch the thing, nobody seems to care because they were sitting on their hands just so they could go dun, 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 real American and get all excited about that. So look, that is a good chunk and piece of evidence as to why Vince McMahon wanted to bring the Hulk to the back in the early 90s, even though soon after this, it absolutely died. And we're going to get to all of that as we go. But yes, never forget, this was Vince McMahon taking months of plans that he had planned with his team and setting them on fire because we were all in to make Bret the Hitman Hart the brand new face of the WWF and the champion for a long time. But then Vinny, well, he looked at the numbers and he looked at his business metrics and thought, I'm really scared right now. Things are not going well. Somebody call Hulk. I'm sure there was a way that this would have assisted long term, but we took the route of taking a gun and just shooting it right in the head because I know this is hard to understand now. But way back in the day, the world championship was actually considered somewhat important. If somebody had a title, you'd be like, oh, they're the best person ever. And we certainly didn't pass it around like it was a potato. People believe in the sanctity of the gold, hence why when everything happened at the Montreal Screwjob, people were like, I can't believe they would do this. And why, when Bret Hart became a five-time champion, it's like, five? He's been champion five times? I think right now, John Cena has had 9,422 raids. A poor Royal Rumble buy rate truly sparked this, though. And apparently everybody was so wound up about secrets getting out, even the wrestlers weren't told what the finishes of their matches were going to be until like a few hours before. That just sounds very stressful. There was a bunch of problems with this event too, you'll be surprised to hear, because for some reason, the powers that be just couldn't time it out. But if you go and type this into your Google machine, you will find out that we were meant to have Kamala versus Bam Bam Bigelow, but it was just booted off the card because again, we had to save some time somewhere. Oh, I'm not gonna lie. Did I miss that? Answer is no. Often cited as the worst WrestleMania of all time, well, I can certainly see why that would be the case. I mean, it's even hard to watch because it is set outside and the ring is just covered in darkness because of the shade. And that's not the WWS fault, but it still sucks when you're trying to get through it. Also, a week prior to this, the Repo Man had his last match in the WWE, the WWF, before he went off onto the indie scene. Which means it has been a long ass time for the love of everything. Can we please just bring the character and the gimmick back? And yes, 
I will do it. Forget that though, because deep down in Las Vegas, in front of almost 17,000 fans, it is WrestleMania 9. Forget what I said earlier, I'm just going to call it now the worst WrestleMania ever. The first two things you see at WrestleMania 9 are Gorilla Monsoon and Jim Ross in togas. And all I could think to myself was, do you think when they were growing up, they thought, man, I'm going to go into the wrestling business and dress like this? The answer is no. This is also JR's first show with the company, and he has just stood there dressed like he's in some kind of budget Greek mythology play. Although I will say, I actually think the theming is the best part about all of this. I mean, it's just so over the top. We even get an introduction for Julius Caesar and Cleopatra. And who are we meant to think that is? Like WWE just like buried them up from the dead and then wheeled them out and somehow brought them back to life? It don't make no sense. It gets weirder and weirder too because Jim Ross then spends about five minutes putting over the elephants that are helping people get to the ring. You honestly think that they would be next in line for a big push to the top of the card. But this goes on for ages. Oh, elements are so amazing. They're so incredible. Oh, I love the elements. Elements, elephants. I'm like, what am I watching? I half expected David Attenborough to turn up. Bobby Heenan and Macho Man Randy Savage eventually arrive because they are finishing off our commentary team for the evening. And honestly, Bobby Heenan, what a damn hero. And while I always like the Macho Man, he does come across here like he's super duper pissed off. And as we know now, he was super duper pissed off. He didn't want to be an announcer. He wanted to be a wrestler. So he decided on this night, I'm going to take it out on you, Jim Ross, which Jar has talked about in his autobiography. And once it is in your brain, you cannot ignore it. He just makes things so difficult. It would be like trying to sell shampoo to a bald man. Actually, that's not true. People ask me that all the time. Simon, do you have to shampoo your head? Of course I do. I still have to be clean. Eventually, we do get our opening match, and it is returning Shawn Michaels defending his Intercontinental Championship against Tatanka. That's a dog about taking your feet and just grounding them in 1993. This was kind of the rise of the Heartbreak Kid, too. I mean, he turned his back on Sensational Sherry, and here he was debuting with Luna. And even though Tatanka was like a gimmick and just thrown up on him, he really could go. We know Shawn Michaels when he's in the ring. Right. You get a quick window into why in about five years Michaels is going to have a destroyed back as he just flings himself into the turnbuckle and then goes over the top. And because he was coming back from a shoulder surgery, injury thing in the jig, we tied that into the match and Tatanka just works it over. So we of course threw that into the match because why try and keep our bodies healthy when we can tell a good story instead? And even though this was years and years and years ago, it ends with shenanigans. I don't have a leg to stand on while well, I'm doing up-to-date ups and downs. WWF WWE has been doing this for a millennia. And it's so bad too, because Shawn Michaels misses a cross body on the floor, Tatanka gets back in the ring, and just as the referee is about to count to 10, Michaels just grabs him, chucks him to the floor, and sneaks back in as if that's legal. He also gets hit with a Samoan drop, meaning Tatanka could get the victory if the referee just counted it. But he goes, oh no, I'm not gonna do that. You did get counted out, Shawn Michaels. And the thing just ends. The real issue too is that the fans hate it because they must have been massively confused. And afterwards, Luna Vachon beats the crap out of Sensational Sherry. So you're like, where's my happiness? This is WrestleMania and you're just smacking me with sad. But look, we just focus on the in-ring work and not the crappy finish. This was almost like looking into the future about what wrestling would become. I'm giving it up. Interview with the Steiners next, who are about to face the Head Shrinkers. And don't buy into this lunacy that Scott Steiner only went nuts like in the late 90s. He was already bonkers here. I mean, he gets on the microphone and just shouts. He just goes, blah, 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 blah. And then Rick says he's going to do it for Julius Caesar. 
These two are really weird. We are still teetering on the edge of the cliff though because we do then get this tag team match. And while it's not the greatest thing you're ever gonna see in your life, everybody involved just knew how to have a really decent wrestling match. So we got a really decent wrestling match. I mean, it still has its problems because Scott is the man to be beaten up and he gets waylaid for about 32 years. Although I was having a great time. So we have Samu and Fatu here. And I'm like, oh man, they're probably dreaming about giving birth to a head of the table. The crowd eventually gives up because they get bored of waiting for Scott to fight back. Especially because when he gets the hot dog to Rick Steiner and the dog-faced gremlin runs in there, he has about eight seconds of offense and then he's on his ass too. It's just a big slog. I will say, however, that the ending sequence kind of saves it because one, Rick turns a cross-body attempt from the top rope into a power slam. That made me go, well, that looked pretty good. And then Scott Steiner hits the Frankensteiner and he does indeed get the one, two, three. Now look, this wasn't the most perfect Frankensteiner you've ever seen in your life, but nobody was doing this kind of shit in the WWF in 1993. It was a bit like he was an alien. I mean, it doesn't feel much like a WrestleMania match, but I think you could apply that for every single thing we do see here. And again, we mark on a curve and because everything else is so shit, it's getting it up. And what am I talking about? Well, let's start with Crush versus Doink. Now this thankfully is the good version of Doink played by Mac Vaughan when he was meant to be more like an it character as opposed to Bozo the Clown. But he genuinely wanted to cause sadness and horribleness towards kids. So straight away you're like, look dude, you need to get a new hobby. This match however, is just nothing. Obviously the crowd has no idea what's going on because it is meant to be a grudge match, but keep that in your head as well. It's a grudge match. Crush hates Doink and Doink hates Crush and they just wrestle and they just roll around a place. And honestly, there's more intensity when I go to the toilet. The ending too is just so out there. And once again, this is WrestleMania because Doink at one point just smacks the referee, even though Shawn Michaels had done that in the first match and he had got called out for it, but the clown gets nothing and he goes under the ring. And at this stage, you're thinking, well, why has he gone under the ring? And you don't know. Crush eventually decides to go and get him when another doink appears with a prosthetic arm. He clonks Crush over the head, and then the referee sees that one of the doinks is making the pinfall and decides, well, I don't see anything wrong with this, even though you could write a book of all the incorrections. And he counts the one, two, three. We also never found out who the second doink was because screw you, you're not allowed nice things. But at least behind the scenes, it was being played by Steve Kern, who at the time was playing the gimmick of Skinner. But because he was Skinner, and because the WWF wanted to send two doinks here, there and everywhere, he had to shave off his beard. But that meant when he was Skinner, he had to wear a fake beard. This why new people don't watch wrestling. The last bit of trivia is that once Bourne was fired, it was Kern who took up the role of Doink full time. But in terms of what happened on this night, they finished this by just staring at each other. And it honestly felt like I'd taken a bunch of drugs and injected them into my face. Also, yes, poor old Steve had to hide underneath the ring for every single thing that had come before this. Once again, I'm sure that was his dream when he was an up and coming wrestler. Down. Cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful too for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash whatculture. Then, man... I want to talk about it. But Todd Pettigall is in the crowd asking them, do you think what we just saw with the two doinks is real or was it an illusion? I'm like, Todd, I know it wasn't an illusion because I'm sat here watching it miles and miles away and I saw two doinks. So unless we've all been screwed up, it was absolutely two different people. The question is stupid. I mean, I hadn't been huffing meth, but man, I tell you, I preferred it if I was because Todd then spots two Japanese people in the crowd and goes, Yokozuna. I actually thought about taking my head and just flushing it down the toilet to get this memory out of my brain. And then, <laughs> I don't even know. Because I had totally forgotten about this because other events overshadow it. But on WrestleMania 9, you do indeed get Razor Ramon versus Bob Backlund. And I think it went seven seconds. It also ends with the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment, the surprise roll-up when Razor does get the win. And honestly, you could have done this on Raw and everybody would have been fine with it. And then when you go do more research as well, it turns out that Bob Backlund had ever barely been pinned in the WWF since 1977. And here he is being surprised roll up. This just happens too. It just happened. No one sells it like it's a big thing. Like, oh, that Razor Ramon, he looks like an up and coming wrestler and screw the old man in the corner. And the Bob Backlund was probably about eight years old. Just terrible, like genuinely terrible and should not be on WrestleMania down. It also kind of serves as the catalyst for utter insanity because up next is Hulk Hogan and Brutus Beefcake going for the tag team championships against Ted DiBiase, the million dollar man and IRS. Good grief. Now, before you even begin, there was a bunch of controversy because Hulk Hogan arrives with a massive black eye. And this isn't a, <laughs> oh, oh, we're in wrestling. Let's do a fake black eye. This is a 100% legit black eye. There was a bunch of stories going around. Within the narrative, they said that Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase had sent some people to beat him up. In the real world, apparently Hulk Hogan had a jet ski accident. And in the conspiracy world, apparently Macho Man Randy Savage punched him right in the face. Let's not worry about that and talk about the match because once again, it just goes on forever. Of course, Hulk Hogan gets the big pop. We've already talked about that. But within around about three minutes, you realize, oh yeah, this is why we felt Hulkamania had hit a wall 
Nobody really cares. I mean, this was a bit like when John Cena had that surprise return at the 2008 Royal Rumble. He came out of Madison Square Garden and New York was like, well, how is this happening? Oh, John Cena. Oh, wait, no, I don't like you. I think you're an ad. Boo, boo, boo. It was a similar reaction. This was also post the WWF steroid scandal and boy, howdy, could you tell. Now, let's not pretend that Hogan was a small man here. But if you compared this version to the one pre-steroid scandal, well, you could absolutely convince somebody that they're brothers. So do not do drugs, kids. Unless, of course, you want to be massive. But even then, don't do it. Almost instantly, Money Inc. just decide, well, if we leave the ring and don't come back, we'll still be tag team champions. But they're told if they do do this, they will lose their titles, which makes the whole rule about the champions staying the champions on account of DQ. Well, I can't even explain it. And our big spot here is when Ted DiBiase locks on the million dollar dream to Hulk Hogan. I think, let me check my notes, all for around about 791 years. He, of course, doesn't submit because he's Hulk Hogan and he won't tap out to anybody. And you can already see the amount of nonsense that is about to come our way. Because another referee then gets taken out. And if you are keeping tabs, I think that's like 80% of the matches with the referee going down, which allows Brutus and Hogan to hit a weird double team move. And they have the match won. They make a visual pinfall, but there's no official to count. So if anybody had any doubt in their mind, no, Hulk Hogan was not going to lose because we had just seen him win. Just to make sure that we were clear on this too, Jimmy Hart gets in there. He goes, one, two, three. And he even starts saying, one, new tag team champions until another wrestler walks out and goes, that's not how it works. What are you guys, would you stop mucking around? I mean, this could be the second worst finish I've ever seen in my entire life. The first, ironically, being what happens in the main, main other secret main event. Before this as well, Hulk Hogan had used Brutus Beefcake's face mark that he had to wear as a weapon and because of that, he got disqualified. And as some kind of crappy revenge, he then stole IRS's briefcase, he found the money inside, and he started handing it out to the fans. Honestly, what did IRS actually do to anyone? His job was to make you pay your taxes, which you have to do by law. This is terrible though. It completely buries the tag team titles just so we can try and get Hulk Hogan over, who does not need to get any more over. And once more, if it wasn't for what's about to happen in about five minutes, I would be a lot madder about this. It's bad though. So, so bad. Down. It's not really that much better when it comes to Lex Luger and Mr. Perfect. Now, to be fair, the match is actually okay because Kurt Hennig is in it. And Kurt Hennig could have a match with me and pull me to a three-star classic. And of course, this is when Lex Luger had just come in and he was a narcissist. Things were about to change soon after the Hogan experiment failed. But as for now, he would flex into a mirror and that was meant to get you to hate him. It's the ending that just gets you though, because it's almost like WWE has completely forgotten about this spectacle that WrestleMania is meant to be. So after they do a few moves, Lex Luger, wait for it, just hits the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment, and he pins Mr. Perfect, and you're meant to like it. That absolutely does get it down, although what happened afterwards, Rock clearly wanted to carry this on. Mr. Perfect is then knocked out by Lex Luger and his flying forearm. But when Perfect gets two, he's like, well, I'm not gonna let that lay down. That doesn't sound very nice. So he chases Lex Luger to the back, he catches him, and he kicks the absolute tomato out of him. Remember too, that this is when Lex Luger was doing the whole, oh, I've got a metal plate in my forearm gimmick, because he had had one put in after a motorcycle accident. And this is where I have to share a story of my own. Because when I was a stupid kid and saw WrestleMania 9 years after it aired, I was like, oh man, that sounds really badass. So I started telling people at school, oh, I've got a metal plate here. I used to say it was here. So do you know what people did for me for years? They walked up and they punched me in the arm and I had to no sell it because I desperately wanted people to think I had a metal plate in my arm. 
Somebody should come and like arrest me because I don't deserve to be alive. Those two things don't even compute, but you take my point. Things then got even worse. Oh boy. And we all know what it is. And no, we're not talking about the secret main event to WrestleMania just yet, but we are talking about the giant Gonzalez versus the Undertaker in a match that you never ever want to see. There's also so many questions, the biggest of which is, why is John Gonzalez wearing this one piece suit? And why has somebody stuck hair on it? But whose idea was this? It makes Gonzalez look absolutely insane and not in a scary way, but there's genuinely something we need to sit down and talk about, but nobody's having the conversation. And the match is absolutely nothing as well, because this was during a time when WWE was obsessed with looking at the dead man and going, I know what you need. You need even bigger opponents than you, so people think that you might actually lose, but really, you're never gonna lose. I don't even think that anybody in charge had a clue about the streak here either. They absolutely did not, because if they did, there is no chance in hell they would have ended it as they did. Because for reasons that will never be explained, the company decided we don't want Gonzalez to lose. So towards the end, Harvey Whippleman, his manager, passes him a towel with chloroform on it. He then drugs The Undertaker, who of course collapses to the floor, and the match, I suppose, is ruled a no contest. And don't forget about the fans either. The fans don't know what's going on. The fans don't know it's chloroform. So they just see the giant Gonzalez get a towel, wrap it around the Undertaker's mouth, and he falls down. They must have thought he was dead. It was kind of sold like that as well, but of course he does sit up and then he beats giant Gonzalez's ass. This is horrific. It is so horrific. Even The Undertaker, that documentary said, yeah, that match was absolutely horrific. Which is why it doesn't just get a down, it gets a well down. Amazingly too, this does lead into our first main event of WrestleMania 9, which wouldn't have made any sense back in 1993, because you would have assumed you were only getting one main event. However, it does mean this WrestleMania is super duper short, Thank Flub for that. The Bret Hart versus Yokozuna for the WWE title is actually pretty good. Like, it's not the best match that Bret Hart ever had, and it's probably not even the best match that Yokozuna ever had, but the Hitman was a master of working people who were bigger than him. I had a damn good time that was ruined because I knew what was around the corner. The fans are also chanting USA, even though Yoko is from Japan, although in reality he was a Samoan, and Bret Hart was from Canada, but I suppose in the early 90s, the foreign hill, or at least for Vince McMahon, was still very much in vogue. And yeah, given the size difference, this is just a masterclass from Bret. He makes you think that he's going to win. He makes you think that he's never going to be overcome Zuna because Zuna is massive. I would watch this one again. And sure, the ending is fine, if not a little bit silly, but after he's rammed Yoko Zuna's head into the exposed turn, buckle he's actually able to lock in the sharpshooter so you think he's won the commentators also do a great job because like oh how can he lock in his finishing move yokozuna's legs are too big so when he does well you're just popping like you're stopping unfortunately mr fuji was the manager of yoko at the time when he sees what's going down he gets some salt from his pocket and he chucks it into the hitman's eyes we do have to say, this did kind of feel a little bit like mild racism. He can't see, and for some reason, that's enough for Yokozuna to pin him. Like, I would like to assume that if I was blind and somebody applied pressure to my shoulders, I would still know to try and kick out. But I guess Yokozuna is huge, so we can just spin it that way. I did enjoy myself, though. I really, really did, and it's another in that whole Bret Hart could be the best worker ever book, and I'm giving it up. Of course, the only reason we did all of this is so Hart could be put in a position where somebody needed to come out and save him. 
Let's just finally do it. Because the Hulkster storms to the ring and he's all like, oh, brother, this can't go down. I saw it happen. It's all illegal. But rather than trying to get a rematch for Bret Hart, which would have been the righteous thing to do, he accepts a challenge from Mr. Fuji. And you're like, Fuji, what are you doing? If you were a good manager, you wouldn't put your client up for a world title match 30 seconds after he's won it. Yokozuna should have fired him then. Apparently he did have a plan, which was to throw this death salt into Hulk Hogan's eyes. This is Hulk Hogan, he doesn't succumb to death salt. So he gets out of the way, he hits a clothesline, he hits the big leg drop, and in what, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 seconds, he has become the brand new WWF champion. Sadness is the real winner though. I tell you, ultimate sadness. And of course the fans go nuts for this. It's an instinctive reaction. If you see a title change on any show, not talking about the 24-7 title, you're gonna be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. But just go look what happened at business after this. It's not what anybody wanted. And by King of the Ring, Hulk Hogan was gone again. So not only was it a failure, but it screwed over Yokozuna, it screwed over Bret Hart, and it really did screw over WrestleMania 9. I still can't believe it happened. When you first hear about it and you're a kid, you're like, wow, that sounds awesome. But then you watch it in motion as an adult, it's just egos running wild, man. And for the only what? We haven't done this very much, but it doesn't just get a down, it gets a brown down, which is two brown downs on one ups and down show. And maybe I've never done it, but I stand by it. We also have the Dave Meltzer Wrestling Observer rating so you can get somebody else's opinion. He gave Shawn Michaels versus the Tanker 3.5 stars, the Steiners versus the Headstringers 2.5 stars, Doink versus Crush got 1.5 stars somehow, Bob Backer versus Razor Ramon got minus one star, that tag team match with Hulk Hogan got two stars, Lex Luger versus Mr. Perfect got 1.25 stars. How is that possible? The Giant Gonzalez versus Undertaker got the same, which means now I need to double check these because that does not seem right. The main event round one got three stars, and the main event round two got a dud. And talking about duds, the overall ranking for this is a down. And it also means we have to bring back our crappiest pay-per-views ever board, which I have forgotten, but it goes right in there at number four. Because we've got December to Dismember, whatever the hell that WWE ECW show was called, we've got Heroes of Wrestling. I've forgotten what's at number three because I've had a very long day. But at number four is WrestleMania 9. 